You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 17, and we're going to talk about it. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you lead with confidence and clarity. These are practical solutions for your ministry that you probably didn't learn in seminary. Now, let's join your host, Seth Hughes, before he runs out of things to say. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. Uh, you can find the show notes for today's episode at sethmuse.com slash episode 17. That is episode spelled out and then the number 17. So I think I'm going to go to a different format and just use the numbers from here on out after this podcast because it's getting a little... That's a little difficult to remember, right? So I'm going to streamline things. And that's what I'm doing around here, streamlining some stuff, offering some new things coming up. I'm excited about it. Can't wait to tell you about it. But first, I want to tell you that the day that this podcast goes out is January 31st. That is actually my birthday. So I am turning 38 years old today. I know. I know. It's old. No, it's not. I feel very, very young. Uh, Very excited about being 38 because the older I get, the grumpier I can be and no one can say anything about it. It's really awesome. No, just kidding. I'm turning 38, though, and I'm excited about today's my birthday. We're going to have a steak dinner probably this weekend. Uh, Somebody gave us a gift card. It's the only way we can afford that. It's really, really cool. So thank you for that person who gave us that that I will not name uh, because I can't remember right now. Anyway, Thanks for being here. I want to tell you that for my birthday, if you were thinking, hey, Seth, what can I get you for your birthday? I only want one thing, and that is I want 10 people to join my mailing list. My email list is out there, and I would love to have 10 new people on it after this podcast. So here's where you can go do that. I made it real easy. And in exchange, I'm actually going to do a little Hobbit birthday where I'm going to give you a gift. Yeah, I said Hobbit birthday. I'm going to give you a gift, and it's an ebook. So if you sign it for my list, you'll get my free ebook, and you can sign up for that at sethmuse.com slash birthday. Just go to sethmuse.com slash birthday, create a special page. You can go and sign up, uh, join the list, and then I'll send you, or you can download right then, a free ebook called Do Not Go In There, Five Things I Wish Someone Had Told Me When I Started Ministry. I think it's a funny book. Some people have said it's funny. I don't know. I think it's fun. I hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, My gift to you for joining the list, and then uh, we'll be friends after that. Best friends forever, uh, if the Lord's the Lord of them. You know, because a friend will not say never uh, in the welcome will not end. So go to sethmuse.com slash birthday to get that. Now the show notes I told you are episode slash episode 17. So there's two things to do. I know that's confusing, uh, but real quick, I want to get to something. Um, How many of you, when you start a spiritual conversation, you kind of hear this sound in your head? Yeah, you hear that? You feel that, the excitement of that? And, and that kind of is what you hear when you're like, oh, I'm going to get this person. I'm going to get them. And it becomes this back and forth argument. And honestly, when it comes to spiritual things, we're just not good at talking about it sometimes. So today I want to talk about eight, the eightfold path to great spiritual conversations. It's from one of my blogs. You can go check it out called Great Conversations, sethnews.com slash great-conversations if you care. But I'll link to it in the show notes, so just go there. Uh, sometimes we hear that sound and we get ready to just kind of throw down in a conversation, but those don't tend to be great, uh, very productive conversations. So I want to do a quick fire real fast. Here are 
here are the, here's the summary of eightfold path to great spiritual conversations. All right, step one. We start with prayer for a focused conversation. A lot of conversations can end up in the weeds. So if you know you're going to talk to someone about Christ, or you know you're going to talk about spiritual things, it's always good to start with prayer. If you're in that moment and you're like, oh my gosh, I can tell this is going towards spiritual stuff. In your mind, stop, take a moment and just ask God to guide you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom, to give you the right words to say and help you keep it focused. A lot of these things can end up talking about whether or not evolution is true or if, uh, you know, Jonah was really swallowed by a whale or a fish. And and is that really uh, something we should believe in? Uh, Did the world really flood? You get into all that kind of stuff and it becomes deep weed conversations that aren't really about Christ. But I tell you this. As a seminary person, I learned that you can take everything that you that is in the scriptures and probably turn it back to a conversation about Jesus. The reason is because I think it was written for that. So all those stories have a point to telling us and revealing us God's God's purpose on the planet and with humanity, and that is to reveal Christ and our need for Him. So take take a moment to pray about a focused conversation. Second, assume nothing. Do not assume they know what you know about the Bible or that they have the same understanding as you or the same worldview as you, uh, that they already believe in Jesus just because they go to church. Don't believe that. Don't assume that because this generation coming up has a need to have things explained. They don't understand why the Jewish law was uh, what it was. They don't understand how in that context, what Jesus claims about deity actually meant. You know, they they would say that Jesus never claimed to be God. Well, he did in a Jewish context, but we don't understand that Jewish context. So it seems like he didn't. We have to be able to explain that kind of stuff and assume that they don't know that. They don't understand that. So prepare to explain churchy words or phrases. Prepare to be careful and be careful you don't come off condescending because you don't you're not teaching them uh, like a a mother would talk to little kids. You know, you're, you're a friend, you're a peer helping them along this journey. So just don't assume that they already know things that they may not know. Uh, This generation coming up, especially Generation Z, millennials, they're not as immersed in the context of church world that we in Gen X and baby boomers grew up in, where it's just part of the culture. That's not part of the culture as much as it it was to us. It's not because they're dumb. It's certainly not because they're stupid or they don't care. It's because they just didn't have that around them as much as we did. So assume nothing. Third, ask more questions. I love this because this is how Jesus did it. Jesus asked questions when people asked him questions. And the reason is because when he wanted to confront a theology or a wrong thinking, he doesn't just set up a program or, or try to you know, speak or preach right then and there always. Sometimes he did. Uh, but often in the moment, he, incor- he corrects incorrect thinking with a question. And it's a probing question. Um, he makes you, and the reason he does this, I think, is because it keeps, uh, and we should do this too, it keeps us focused on them and their journey. All right. It keeps them, fo- you focus on them instead of you. And two, it makes you think about leading them instead of just indoctrinating them. So it helps you kind of, well, what do you think about that? Why do you think that is? If they say, let's say, I'll give a straw man argument here, some kind of, um, I don't think the Bible is really true. Okay, why don't you think that? What has stopped you from believing that? Okay, well, you think that. Are you certain that that person knows what they're talking about? You know, just kind of these questions that lead you to the conversation that might even expose some of the difficult, the uh, bad logic in their thinking, which is helpful. And three, it disarms a lot of inflammatory rhetoric. And Lord knows, today when I'm actually recording this is our inauguration day. 
there is a lot of inflammatory rhetoric right now going on in our world. You don't have to go very far to find it. And when we're talking about spiritual things, it's important that we hear people and they hear us because the message is, is important. And so we want to make sure we avoid the inflammatory rhetoric. Uh, if we ask questions, it's easier to get into that mode of just talking than it is. I'm preaching, you're preaching, and no one's listening. That's not what you want to do. And if truth truly belongs to God, then asking questions can sometimes be enough just to unwrap those layers that of whether deception or whatever for them and for you of what you might have believed that's not correct. It might enlighten both of you. That's good. And I think that's why Jesus did it, too, is to leave us that example. Uh, people respond to gentleness. Uh, more than they will an overbearing right person. So remember that as we talk. Step four, do your homework. I've already kind of mentioned this, but know what you believe and why. If you know exactly what you believe, um, that's a lot more convincing to a person who is not sure. And we don't get to that point where we're comfortable in our belief unless we've actually done some homework and studied and, and dug through the information that's out there to try to figure this out. You don't have to be a seminary professor, but you do know, you do need to know what the Bible actually says. And, and that, and, and you'd be surprised how many people are, are living their lives based on, on things that they've heard about the Bible that the Bible doesn't actually say. And so being able to simply explain that, no, that's not actually what that means, or that's not what that says, or a lot of my Bible teachers don't, don't teach it that way, and I don't know where you heard that. You know, it turns it, be careful not to turn this into a no true Scotsman argument, which is like, oh, well, that's not us. They're not a true Scotsman. They're not a true Christian unless they believe like me. That's not what I'm saying. But I am saying be ready to defend some of those incorrect beliefs about what Scripture says. Because again, remember, they didn't grow up in this context. And so that general knowledge of Scripture and what the story is, isn't really there a lot. And, and that's not their fault. That's just the way the world is right now. So do your homework. Be prepared to give an answer. Step five, rehearse your reasoning. Have you ever learned something for a test and then immediately forgotten it? Well, of course. Of course you have. You, you read it. You know the information. But when you were asked about it, you weren't ready to give it. You hadn't practiced it. It is always good to go over and maybe even practice explaining answers to questions that you hear a lot. Or if you know you're going to talk to someone about spiritual things and you know their hang up is whatever, then be ready to explain whatever the answer to that whatever. So that they are, this is basically the idea of apologetics. I know that the Holy Spirit will give you what you have to say, but also the Holy Spirit pulls a lot of what's already there out. So if you haven't read or studied, there's nothing really to pull short of a miracle. And so I, I think miracles happen. I think they really do. However, I don't bank on miracles. I bank on faithful study of the scriptures and dutifully following and obedience to sharing my faith. That's what God's asked us to do. God never said, sit around and wait for a miracle. In fact, he said the opposite. This generation asked for a miracle and they're not getting one. He said, except the sign of Jonah, which is great. Can you explain to the person that the story of Jonah, why Jesus said the sign of Jonah is all this generation is getting, is the sign of Jonah because he spent three days in the fish and then was spit back to life on the, on the land, just like Jesus spent three days in the heart of the earth, and then he rose again. That picture of, of I mean, Jonah was in a fish. You don't, there's no air in there. He died. It says his song in chapter two was from Sheol. He died. Jonah's sign is death and resurrection. And that's the sign of Jonah that Jesus shows. If you need, if you need to explain that to someone, that's a, 
that's something you should study. So do your homework and rehearse how you're going to explain it. Sixth, choose your battles. Now, this is kind of, I guess they do this in sales where you kind of qualify somebody and you go, hi, I've got this great product. Are you ready to buy it? And they say, nah, I have these objections. And then you try to answer those objections. And then it's kind of like, well, they're not really ready to buy. So I'm going to quit and move on. That's kind of what this is. Not so cut and dry. Cause I mean, honestly, you're not choosing your battle in order to learn how to quit. You're choosing a battle of when to know, to know when to stop. And that's different. And you're going to pick this conversation up later. And when you choose your battles, you plant those seeds. And that's every bit as important as the harvest part of the whole process. So if you're talking to someone about spiritual things and you can tell that you've gone a little bit into the conversation and they're like, oh, I'm so tired of talking about this. And you realize that continuing this conversation might actually do damage, that it's time to kind of cut it off, let them think about what we've talked about and then pick it up later, then just do that. You, it's not your job to save them. The Holy Spirit does that. Your job is to share the message, share it in pieces, share it all at once. That's up for debate. So whatever you feel the Spirit telling you in that moment, you realize that person's not ready, choose your battle. You may not have to share the whole thing. You don't have to call them to an altar call right then. Maybe you do, but choose those battles instead of reacting to them. That's, that's what I'm getting at. For great spiritual conversations, choose the battle. Um, most of us would avoid conversations online, that would be better if, if most of us would avoid these online. There's a way to do it. I've got a guest coming on soon. He's going to talk to us about how to do it well. I'm really excited about it, but it's really hard to do because you miss a lot of that human facial expressions and tone that you can't get online. So online, I would, I'm not saying don't share your faith. I'm just, not, I'm just saying that you got to be really careful when you do because you could easily do damage there because that's a, a battleground that's hard, very, very hard to win. Uh, especially when you involve ego, not just theirs, but yours. So choose your battles. Number seven, anger leads to the dark side. <laughs> uh, never return hostility for hostility. When you're talking to someone about spiritual things, they may get very angry at something you might say. I've had people get angry at me because I said there's only one way to heaven, and that's Christ. I've, I've, I've had people get angry because I've suggested that they're a sinner, and they don't like that idea, and, and they get really really angry. They get really angry at me for saying that and call me all kinds of things for it. Arrogant, pretentious, other things I can't say on the podcast, whatever. And so what I'm saying is if you let that affect you in a way that you give that hostility back, all you're going to do is push them further away. It leads to the dark side. Don't do it. It's a hard line to walk. Call out the lies, call out the doctrines that aren't right, that the false doctrines, false teachings, whatever, and let truth be truth. But you don't have to get really upset about this. Now, humans are naturally this way. And think about it. Have you ever told a story where it got really animated and you started moving your arms and you, your eye, your eyebrows went up and you got really loud and you, your eyes got big and the other person listening, you could see them kind of doing what you're doing. Their eyes start to start to get bigger and their, their eyebrows kind of go up and they're like, Oh, and they start to imitate you as you're telling this story. Well, it's because humans are reflective kind of relational creatures. What you give is kind of what you get back. And so if you're, if someone's yelling at you and you're calmly responding, there's a good chance, not always, but there's a good chance that could calm them down because eventually you start to feel like an idiot if you're the only one yelling and the other person's staying calm, right? So they eventually want to calm down. It's, it's magical. It's wonderful. It's not magical, but you know what I mean? It's awesome. It's how... 
humans are made. So anger leads to the dark side. Never return hostility for hostility. Finally, the eighth step is patience, grasshopper. Patience. Remember that relationships need nurturing. I mean, it takes some time sometimes to get these conversations going in a deeper, deeper way because trust has to be built. You can't just show up and say, hi, my name is Seth. Would you like to get married? Nobody does that. And with relationships, it's like it's the same thing when we say, hi, how are you? I'd like to tell you about Jesus. He died on the cross. Would you like to accept him right now? It's kind of like doing that. Not to say that doesn't work sometimes, but for me, if you did, if you did that to me, I'd say no thanks if I were a non-believer, because I just don't operate that way. That's not how I like to get to know people. So patience. Remember, relationships take time and be willing to put in the time to nurture those relationships. I think when Jesus talks about farming as an illustration for some of these things, there's a reason because farming takes time. Farming takes a lot of work and effort, and it takes patience to watch your crop grow, caring for it, nurturing it, watering it, harvesting at the right time, planting at the right time, moving your crop from one set of soil to another set to make sure you don't wear out your soil. All these farming tactics take skill, effort. Well, sharing the gospel is no different. It's the exact same thing. It's relational, and it takes time. And so use these, these tips but develop patience in your conversations. People are worth reaching with the good news. That's the bottom line. Even if we have to come the long way around with them, we should be willing to do that. So here's the challenge. This week, go to those websites and all that stuff I ask you to do. But the most important thing I want you to do is I want you to share your faith with somebody. Talk to them about spiritual things. Just bring it up and try to put into practice some of these conversational tips so that, and see how your spiritual conversation goes. I'd love to hear about them. Go, go to the show notes and, and comment and, and let me know how it went. I'd love to hear some of these stories and we can talk about them. And I might even share a few online on, on the podcast, uh, the next, next episode. So, uh, go and share those things with me at sethmuse.com. Don't forget sethmuse.com slash birthday, get on the list. And I will talk to you guys again really soon. Thanks for listening. See you.